All righty. I need some helpers. Any little ones that want to come play with fire, come on forward. Or your parents want you to come play with fire. Come on up, little ones. I need help. I need help. Assistance. Necesito. All right. Here we come. Yes, yes. Imagine like a protective barrier right around here. Okay, there we go. Very good. Very good. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, okay, so before we get to the important task of lighting this candle that's in the middle here, we got to talk about a couple of things, right? And uh, one of the things I want to talk about first off is um, I want to see if anybody can guess what I've got on this sheet of paper that's in my hand. Anybody want to guess? A star, that's a good guess. Well, you see, yeah, you saw it. Okay. All right, what is this? Let's see if they, let's see if they, a peace sign. Yes, exactly. Some of your parents, maybe your grandparents remember this. Maybe grandparents, maybe some of your grandparents don't remember it all that well. Maybe some of them don't remember it. What's that? It's on your bear. Your bear has a peace sign on it. Very good. Very 60s of you. Very 60s of you. What's that? Can we set it on fire? Can we set it on fire? No, that's, that, that would be very 60s of you as well. Well, I, I want to talk about this uh, peace sign because it's interesting that one of the themes that comes up all over the place at Christmas time is this idea of peace. Okay, and I want you to think about this, especially tomorrow morning. Now, those of you that have been here before know that I like to ask a basic question about tomorrow morning. Who's going to be up by 730 tomorrow morning? Who thinks they will be up by 730? All right. Who thinks they will be up by 630 tomorrow morning? Does anybody think they're going to be up by 530 tomorrow morning? One, at least one or two. All right, no, duly noted, duly noted. All right, well, here's the deal. When you go in and you let your folks know that it's time to get up, okay, we're going to talk in our sermon message here in just a moment about peace. And we already heard some scripture passages about peace, and particularly about how we can have peace with God through Jesus. And so when you wake up your folks tomorrow morning and let them know it's time to go open the gifts and so forth, I want you to tell them, it's not about peace and quiet. Can you say that? It's not about peace and quiet. It's about peace with God through Jesus. It's about peace with God through Jesus. All right, the first part's going to be really important that they hear that when you wake them up in the morning at 5.30 or 6.30 or whatever. Okay, well, let's keep that in mind as we light this special candle, all right? And then we can gather around and we can pray together, okay? This is... Special candle for us, a Christ candle. All right, let me, let me pray for us. Let's pray together, everyone. Father, we just thank you for these little ones. And we praise you for your power working in our lives and in their lives. And we ask, Lord, that as uh, they celebrate and enjoy opening gifts tomorrow, that they and all the rest of us would know that every good gift comes from you, our Father in heaven above, and that you've sent the perfect gift of Jesus who gives us peace with God that we don't deserve, that we can't have any other way. Help us to grab hold of that peace and live in that peace. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
All right, fantastic job. You guys can go find your way back to your seats. Very good, very good. Well, I do want to talk today a bit more about this idea of peace that I introduced in talking with the kiddos that, we, that you, you had a chance to see up front. And I want to look in particular at Luke chapter 2 tonight. We'll just have a short uh, message, but hopefully one that'll help us to refocus and maybe even give us some new insights to what Christmas can be about and should be about for each one of us. So let me read back through uh, one of these passages that I think we may have already uh, read today, but I want to read just a a section of it again for you. And and I want you to think in particular about the message of peace that's interwoven in the Christmas season. So Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 11 says this, and then we're going to watch a a short video right after this that'll maybe give us some further insight to it. It says, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God. And you remember what they say? It's easy to miss. Glory to God in the highest... And on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. And then one more verse, it says, When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. Let's pray together. Father, we just ask again for all of us that you would... Bless us with insight into your word. We know that uh, all men are like grass. The grass withers and the flower fades, but not your word. It stands forever. And so we ask, Lord, tonight that you would minister to us through it, uplift us, help us to draw close to you as we hear your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As we think about peace, we've got an opportunity to see a, a quick video, I think from uh, some folks at the Bible Project. Let's watch this, and then I want to talk about it for just a few moments. Talk about peace treaties or times of peace. It means the absence of war. And in the Bible, the word peace can refer to the absence of conflict, but it also points to the presence of something better in its place. In the Old Testament, the Hebrew word for peace is shalom. And in the New Testament, the Greek word is erene. The most basic meaning of shalom is complete or whole. The word can refer to a stone that has a perfect whole shape with no cracks. It can also refer to a completed stone wall that has no gaps and no missing bricks. Shalom refers to something that's complex with lots of pieces that's in a state of completeness, wholeness. It's like Job who says his tents are in a state of shalom because he counted his flock and no animals are missing. This is why shalom can refer to a person's well-being. Like when David visited his brothers on the battlefield, he asked about their shalom. The core idea is that life is complex, full of moving parts and relationships and situations. And when any of these is out of alignment or missing, your shalom breaks down. Life is no longer whole. It needs to be restored. 
In fact, that's the basic meaning of shalom when you use it as a verb. To bring shalom literally means to make complete or restore. So Solomon brings shalom to the unfinished temple when he completes it. Or if your animal accidentally damages your neighbor's field, you shalom them by giving them a complete repayment for their loss. You take what's missing and you restore it to wholeness. The same goes for human relationships. In the book of Proverbs, to reconcile and heal a broken relationship is to bring shalom. And when rival kingdoms make shalom in the Bible, it doesn't just mean they stop fighting, it also means they start working together for each other's benefit. This state of shalom is what Israel's kings were supposed to cultivate, and it rarely happened. So the prophet Isaiah, he looked forward to a future king, a prince of shalom, and his reign would bring shalom with no end. A time when God would make a covenant of shalom with his people and make right all wrongs and heal all that's been broken. This is why Jesus' birth in the New Testament was announced as the arrival of Irene. Remember, that's the Greek word for peace. Jesus came to offer his peace to others, like when he said to his followers, my peace I give to you all. The apostles claimed that Jesus made peace between messed up humans and God when he died and rose from the dead. The idea is that he restored to wholeness the broken relationship between humans and their creator. This is why the Apostle Paul can say Jesus himself is our Irene. He was the whole complete human that I am made to be but have failed to be. And now he gives me his life as a gift. And this means that Jesus' followers are now called to create peace. Paul instructed local churches to keep their unity through the bond of peace, which requires humility and patience and bearing with others in love. Becoming people of peace means participating in the life of Jesus, who reconciled all things in heaven on earth, restoring peace through his death and resurrection. So peace takes a lot of work because it's not just the absence of conflict. True peace requires taking what's broken and restoring it to wholeness, whether it's in our lives, our relationships, or in our world. And that's the rich biblical concept of peace. So when you think about peace tonight, you think about its place in your life and mine, probably depending on where we come from and what kind of things are going on in our, our life or our particular situation, we might think about peace in terms of a desire for peace in our family or our community or maybe even globally in the world. You think about peace too, maybe some of us here are more focused in on the idea of what would it be like for me to have peace internally? a sense of, of well-being, a sense of completeness inside? How do I deal with the turmoil that's going on in my own life, in my own heart? And probably some of us here, too, have thought a bit about the idea of peace as it relates to this biblical teaching that in reality, outside of Christ, God in His holiness and us in our fallenness are at odds with one another, and we need reconciliation. We need a mediator, we need somebody to bring us together, and that that, in fact, is Christ. And so what I want us to think about tonight is, you know, where, where are the places in your life, in my life, where we're really longing for peace? What are those uh, situations, what are those places in our life where we desire peace? And what does Christmas season, in particular the the things that Jesus does coming into this world, what do those say to us about 
that longing for peace. The interesting thing it tells us in these verses we saw today is obviously that there's something about Jesus that's going to involve peace. And you can actually see that in a number of passages. I'm not going to take time tonight to walk through all of those, but if you take a little time reading through the Christmas story a little bit more this evening, or maybe tomorrow, just open the scriptures, the time of Jesus' coming, and even the Old Testament prophecies like we read for our call to worship from Isaiah tonight, all of those places, it talks about peace, peace, peace. It's a major theme. It's interesting, though, to notice the, the shepherd's response, right? We, we know about the angels appearing and the shepherds responding, and there's a reason I read verse 15. What did they do when they heard about this one who was going to come? who was going to show God's glory and reveal God's peace. In verse 15, it says, The angels went away from them into heaven, and the shepherds said to one another, Let's go over to Bethlehem and let's see this thing which the Lord has made known to us. It's interesting, isn't it? They didn't just sit there. They didn't just say, Oh, that's neat that there's this peace available. There's this reality of peace that's coming through God's Son. They moved towards it. They went to where they could find this one that would give them peace. And I think that's just one of the the biggest things that we can think about scripturally is that when we seek Jesus and his peace, we will find it. I want to invite you to be thinking about seeking peace. Maybe that's not a big priority in your life. Maybe you're not thinking about it being important, but God offers it and he desires for us to seek it just like those shepherds move towards Jesus. It's interesting too as well, verse 14 that we read earlier and I read again for us, it says, glory to God in the highest and peace among those with whom God is pleased. Interesting, isn't it? This peace is not a peace that's just out there for every single person to enjoy inherently. It's a peace that comes through God's pleasure of distributing it, of giving it out. And so we're relying upon God for this peace that, that the scriptures tell us about. It's interesting, too, to look at how the book of Luke, across the whole scope of, of this, uh, this passage, talks about peace. And really, even going back before the time of Jesus, the last couple of verses of chapter 1. Chapter 1 is a really long chapter, especially in the Gospels. It's like 80 verses long. I'm just going to read a couple to you, but listen again for how peace fits in with all the other things that we gain through Jesus, right? There's a collage, there's a plethora of realities that come into our life through Christ. Now listen to how these are described. This is the prophecy Zechariah gave about John the Baptist who would come and tell us about Jesus. So this is about what John the Baptist is going to to bring, the message he's going to bring about Jesus coming. It says, and you child, John the Baptist, will be called prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways to give knowledge of salvation to the people in the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us 
from high, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, and guide our feet into the way of peace. So even before Jesus is on the scene, John the Baptist is being given this message that says there's going to be forgiveness, there's going to be light and hope, there's going to be mercy coming, and of course there's also going to be a pathway to peace. It's a powerful theme in the book of Luke we see tonight. It's a big concept in the Bible. A couple other passages that I think are really interesting with this in, in Luke, and, and that remind us that this isn't just like a a concept that's supposed to be out there, that we're supposed to hope and wish that maybe peace would come in our relationships and peace would come in our community and around our world, but that we can actually experience this peace. I won't read the passage to you, but you probably have seen it before in Luke chapter 7. So just a couple of chapters later, this woman comes to Jesus and she comes to a gathering with him and some others And she's a woman who hasn't really been living her life uh, the way that she should for God's glory and God's purposes. She's stepped way out of that. And yet she comes to this gathering and she brings this uh, oil to anoint Jesus, to put this special symbol on him to say, you, Jesus, are special. I recognize how valuable and how wonderful you are. Jesus is actually criticized for letting this woman even come near him, interact with him. Others around him think that he should give some distance between himself and her. You remember what he says to her when he allows her to go forth from from that setting with his blessing? He says, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. But one of the things Jesus wants you and I to do is to experience peace with Him personally. If you're here tonight and you have recognized your need for Christ, put your trust in Him, begun to walk with Him in faith and repentance, then God wants you to hear this Christmas season that you have peace. He wants to speak a message of peace into your life because of the reconciling work that Jesus has done. It's interesting too, to see how the Scriptures talk about peace elsewhere. Now, some of you may be thinking, well, wait a minute, preacher. Uh, There's a lot of situations in the world where, for good reason, people don't get along. They disagree with one another. And those situations are are realities in the world. And, and, And doesn't Jesus take that into account? Well, it's pretty interesting in Luke chapter 12, so I'm just, I'm just giving you a survey of what the book of Luke tells us about this idea of peace. Luke chapter 12, verse 49, Jesus speaks to this. He says something pretty, pretty interesting for us. He says this, he says, I came to cast fire on earth and would that it were already kindled, he says. He says elsewhere that he doesn't come to uh, bring perfect unity outside of truth, but he comes to divide, even households, even families. There's divisions that he would bring. So when we talk about biblical peace, we're talking about a peace that's grounded in the truth of who the Almighty God is and who God has revealed himself to be in the Scriptures. Even stronger, in Romans 16, 
it says that the, the God of peace will soon crush Satan, right? So we shouldn't think about peace as some, something that involves no conflict at all. Peace is a uniting under the kingship and lordship of God. That's the peace that the Bible has to offer us. The Bible also says that we can have internal peace. I'm going to jump over to John chapter 14 for us real quickly, and then we'll, uh, we'll give you a couple of concluding points to, to take with you tonight. John chapter 14, starting in verse 47. Yes, John chapter 14, and I'm not in the, the right passage here again. John 47 is, uh, is one that I'm not seeing there. But we know that Jesus tells us that he gives you his peace. He gives us his peace. I apologize for that. Lost that verse somehow. Typed down the wrong passage for it. And then Romans chapter 5 is the next passage I, want, I do want us to see tonight. Romans chapter 5, the last one about this topic of how we can have peace says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. What a verse, isn't it? What a verse that you and I, who don't deserve to have the love of God, don't deserve to have this relationship with Him, don't deserve to be united with Him, can have peace because Jesus has been our righteousness, has brought us together with Him. Well, the Bible tells us this, that when we have this peace working in our lives, then it means some things. God wants to give that peace to us so we can enjoy it, so we can delight in it, but he also wants to give us that peace so we can share it with others. Think for a minute about what the fruit of the Spirit are. You familiar with those fruits in Galatians that it lists? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and peace is one of those fruits of the Spirit for us to enjoy. Romans 12, 18 says, as far as it depends on us, live at peace with all. Live at peace with all. One last passage for me to close with, and this is from the very last part of Luke, Luke 24. So back to our passage in Luke that we saw earlier when Jesus declares that he would be our peace, starting in verse 36 of chapter 24. Jesus says this, God's word says this, as they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace to you. Or he's wishing us his peace to come powerfully in our lives. And he's appearing to them after he's been uh, crucified, before he's risen up in his ascension. He says, why are you troubled? Why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, touch me and see me. He goes on and says below, these are the words I have spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything that was written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms would be fulfilled. Thus it's written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in the name of all the nations. This is the message of peace that you and I can enjoy today. Because Jesus came fully God, fully man, and he died on that cross to rise again, to give us newness of life, to give us peace. Let's pray together.